Welcome to a podcast from Alive Church in Newark. We believe that the gospel changes lives, so we hope you're ready to hear from God, be challenged and inspired. Here's our speaker for today. Financially, in my health, in my relationships, and that's because a year from now I want to be in a place where I'm, uh, I have a better relationship with God, I have a better relationship with those around me, that I'm healthier, and that's because of the vision that I have for myself. And we have the same thing. We have the same thing for church. We have a vision that is set out. Each one of you on your seats should have one of these leaflets. Ooh. You should have, because I went around this morning and put them all out. So hopefully, under your bottom or under the chair in front of you or to the side of you, you should have one of these leaflets. And in here is written down the vision that we have for a live church. And this vision, we believe, was given uh, is given by God to Stuart and Irene, who are our senior pastors of a live church, and. Um, And it's written down in here, and it says in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, that we should write down revelation from God so that a herald may run with it. And that is because then when the person that is receiving the message gets it, if it's written down, it's clear then, isn't it? Everyone's on the same page. The person that's receiving it is as clear about the revelation as the person that received it, rather than it being word of mouth. And so that's why we have the vision written down. It's so that when this is in our hand and when we're reading it we're as clear about what God wants us to be building as as everyone else is part of the church and you'll see in here and Stuart mentioned on the video as well and if you've been around a live church for any time yet the three areas of our vision are knowing growing and going knowing is giving everybody an opportunity to know who Jesus is growing is making sure that everyone is being discipled everyone is being uh, moved on in their journey with Jesus and then going that each one of us has a mandate to go into the world and share the good news of Jesus and all of this again as um, as Stuart mentioned in the video is is underpinned and covered by our values these are things that we see to be important this is the way we do things how we want to go about building this church that we have a vision for and they're all outlined in that booklet as well there's things like team there's things like being entrepreneurial being supernatural and all these things we hold is so important in how we go about outworking the vision that we have and all of these things that are in here they're all uh, scripturally based they're all things that you can find in the Bible. We want to make sure that ultimately we're basing ourselves in the word of God. And so at the start of 2020, it would be remiss of me, I think, not to mention 2020 vision. You only get this opportunity once, don't you? Um, To stand on a vision Sunday in 2020. And so you may have seen, hopefully, is there a chart, Ricky, that you may have all seen before? If you've ever been to an opticians or an optometrist, you'll have seen this chart, and it's called a Snellen chart. And it's used to, um, to see how well we can see into the distance. So we talk about 2020 vision, and what that basically means is from 20 feet away, which is how far away you would see, this is probably about right actually, about 20 feet away, you'd see the, the, the chart, and can you see what would be expected at 20 feet away? If the answer is yes, tick, you have 20-20 vision. If at 20 feet you see what someone else sees at 40 feet away, so your vision is half as good, then you'd have 20-40 vision. I learned this this week. The first number is always 20. What a fun fact. So this is about how we see into the distance. Not, you know, sometimes they give you that tiny book, don't they? They make you read it from like here. It's not about that. It's about distance. It's about seeing forwards. But it's about how clearly do we see forwards? At what distance do we see with clarity? 
And the same is true for what God wants his church to see, I believe. I think God wants us to see forward, but he wants us to see with clarity as well. He wants us to be a church full of people who are seeing into the future, who are seeing forward to what it is that he's called us to build, but who see that clearly. And so... We have this vision. We have this long-term view of what it is that we're building. And this is a vision for the coming years, the coming decades. But in order to see this vision outworked, we need to be doing things in the short term. We need to be doing things on a monthly and yearly basis to be able to see this vision come about. It's like when we think about the goals we set for ourselves. We might think over the next year we want to have read the whole Bible, for example. That's one of my goals for this next year. I want to read through the Bible again, cover to cover, over the course of this year. But I can't just have done it. I need to, at some point over the year, set smaller targets and make sure that I'm taking steps towards reading it. I need to get a reading plan. I need to actually sit and read it. And it's the same with this vision. We have this big vision for what we want to see happen. But in order to see it, we need to be doing things on a step-by-step basis. And Stuart alluded to some of these priorities that we're going to be looking at over the next 12 months. And they're all under the areas of knowing, growing, and going. And under each area, as a whole church, as the whole of Alive, we have two priorities under each of those areas. So six in total. And then for Alive Newark, we are prioritizing one of each of those two. So under knowing, we will have one priority. Under growing and undergoing, we will have one priority. We'll still keep the other one in mind. It's definitely something we will still see as important and that we will look towards. But for uh, each of the locations across Alive Church, we're picking one that we think is really pertinent for our particular locations. So I'm going to talk about knowing this week. And next week, Dom is going to talk about growing and going. So, knowing. Ensuring everyone has an opportunity to know Jesus. That is what knowing means. That is what we are aiming towards. And Stuart has already given the game away. He's let the cat out of the bag. If you're paying attention to the video, you will know what the two priorities are under knowing for this next 12 months. So the first one is that we are a church that is multi-ethnic. This is outlined in our vision that we are a multi-ethnic church. We want to be a church who are inclusive, who are diverse, who, um, yeah, who are inclusive and accepting and all those really good things that it's important to be. And the idea of this is based in Revelation. In Revelation, it talks about the church that is to come. The church that is to come, it says, will be large. It will be focused on Jesus. It will be unified in its diversity, that people from every language, tribe, nation, and tongue will be part of this one church in the church that is to come that we read of in Revelation. And we want to see more of heaven on earth. We want to see more of the church that is to come here as part of a live church and in Newark. So that is uh, one of our priorities. But the main one for Newark, the one that I'm going to talk on mostly this morning, is the second one, which is discipleship. Now, discipleship may be a word that you've heard before. It's something that comes up quite a lot. But why is it so important? Why do we talk about it? Why is it an area of focus? Why is it part of our vision? And for me, this is really clear as to why it should be part of our vision. And that's because Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. He doesn't ask us to go and make disciples. He tells us to go and make disciples. It says in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus talks there about how we should go 
and make disciples. That bit of scripture is called, well, we call it the Great Commission. And it's something that should underpin everything that we do, that we should always have an eye on this mission that God has sent us on to go and make disciples. But what is a disciple, I hear you ask? I'm glad you asked because I have the answer. So (laughs) disciple is quite a widely used word. It's not just a word that is used uh, in Christianity. It's actually used in other religions and it's used in secular circumstances as well. And what it really means is a disciple is someone who is learning what it is to, um, to understand a particular way of life or a belief system and to follow that. It's this idea of learning. And we read about um, Jesus' disciples, that they are people who lived with Jesus. We read about them in the New Testament. They lived with him. They learned from him. They followed him. They learned what it was um, to know God. They learned from Jesus about himself and who he was and about the Father and who he is. And um, we see them learning and growing and developing over time about these things. They learned what it was to know and love God and to live a God-centered life. So a disciple is a, is a student, is a learner, is someone who is understanding more about a particular subject. And so when Jesus says to go and make disciples, what he's saying is go and make students, go and make learners, which is an odd turn of phrase. And so in uh, some translations of the Bible, I think in the King James Version, that uh, is translated as go and teach all nations. It's this idea that we are to go and teach so that others might learn. And the thing that we are to teach them, Jesus outlines it here, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. What we have to go and teach as we go and make disciples is the same thing as Jesus taught, who he is, why that's important, what it is to know God and love God and to follow God, to lead a God-centered life. But it's a big ask, isn't it, to go and make disciples? There's a lot of people to be discipled. So how do we go about it? How do we do this? Well, you may have heard of a gentleman called Neil Fleming. I had naturally heard of him before, but you may have heard of uh, some of his thoughts on teaching and learning. So he's a guy from New Zealand. And in the 90s, he came up with this idea that people learn in four different ways. And there's some contention now as to whether that is, um, whether people strictly fit into the different buckets or whether everyone's a bit of a blend. I think I would go with that idea that everyone's a bit more of a blend. But the four different ways that we learn as humans are visually, Hang on, let me. Why can't I say auditory? Auditorily, with hearing, with your ears. Um, The next one is reading and writing, and the final one is um, kinetically to learn kinetically. And so we can use a combination of these things, I believe, to help people learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow Him and to lead a God-centered life. So if we think of the first one, if we think of visual learning. So this is um, learning through seeing something done. So maybe watching video tutorials or watching somebody do it so that you can then copy what they're doing. So an example of this, I learned how to crochet this last year. Fun, fun pastime. And I learned this mainly through watching YouTube tutorials. So it's that kind of idea of watching someone do something and learning how to do it. And if we think about this in, a, um, in our context of making disciples, what does that look like? Well, I believe this looks like us living out a God-centered life and allowing others to see that. Putting ourselves in circumstances and situations where people see us making choices that are in line with God's word. People see us um, behaving differently, speaking differently. And as people see that, they will learn what it is to know and love God. 
The second one, auditory. So like I say, this is through listening, but it's also through talking and conversation, learning in those ways. And we are so blessed with the amount of resource that is available to us um, as followers of Jesus in this, in this way. There are so many podcasts. There are so many preachers to listen to. It's that kind of idea of hearing the word of God, but also being involved in conversation, being involved in connect group, just chatting around the kitchen table, praying with people, hearing other people pray sharing testimony it's that kind of thing it's hearing all the time the word of God and what God is doing in people's lives and I think that this is such a great way to learn about God because it's actually really interactive isn't it if we're having a conversation if we're sat in connect group or we're sat around a kitchen table and we're talking about Jesus it allows everybody involved in the conversation to ask questions to explain what they're thinking to learn more about and to unpack more about what they think about God. I know whenever I have a conversation about Jesus, maybe something I said, something I say will teach someone something about Jesus, but more often than not, I will come away from that conversation knowing more about what it is to know, love, and follow Jesus. So the third one, reading and writing, which I personally think could have had a more difficult to pronounce and catchy title like the others. But fortunately for me, reading and writing, they're two words I'm quite familiar with. So this is the idea that we learn through reading and we learn through writing. I don't really have to explain this one too much, do I? So this is, uh, again, in our context of what it is to learn about Jesus, this is going back to the word of God, reading the Bible, knowing what the Bible says about God. But it's also reading uh, other books, commentaries, articles, those kind of things, getting other people's perspectives on ideas and thoughts. Obviously, we have to be very careful. We have to discernment with what we take as true when we're reading things outside of Scripture. Um, but it's reading things can be really helpful to help us understand more about uh, who God is and the kind of life he wants us to lead. But also writing as well. I find this really helpful. When I, um, when I was at university and I was revising for exams, particularly maths exams, where I had lots of long formulas to remember, I remember I would sit with my full-length mirror in my bedroom and a dry white marker, and I would write out over and over again all of these formulas and then wipe them out and then write them out all over and over again until they were stuck in my mind. Now, I'm not suggesting that we sit and we write out the Bible over and over again. That's maybe not the best use of our time, unless, that's a, unless you think that would be helpful for you. Then go ahead. That'd be awesome. But um, certainly writing down memory verses can be really helpful. Writing notes when uh, in sermons, re- writing preach notes can be really helpful. Journaling, when you're praying and when you're reading your Bible, making sure that you're writing. What is it that God is speaking to you about? When you see answer to prayer, writing that down, remembering what it is that God has done. It's a really good way for us to learn, but writing, I think, is more a way for us to remember. It's a really helpful way for us to remember because we do have short memories. We forget very quickly sometimes the good things that God has done for us. And so having them written down, being able to read them can be really helpful. And the final one, kinetic. So learning through doing. So this is the idea of maybe learning to use a new computer program by having a bit of a go. Or if you remember a few weeks ago, we had Naomi and Gilead with us and Gilead was teaching us a dance move. It's learning the dance move. Bryn's doing it there, look. Learning the dance move through doing it. It's that kind of thing. It's giving it a try, seeing how it goes. And this is, I think, one of the greatest ways to know what it is to follow Jesus is to just do it is to encourage people that we are discipling to go and do it to 
put into action those things that they've seen us do, that they've read about, that they've spoken about, that they, um, yeah, that they have heard and experienced, and to go and do it, to actually practically make those choices themselves to lead a God-centered life. Because one of the greatest ways we can learn is through that conscious choice, that decision to do something differently to how we would have before. And I think just a knowledge of these different ways of learning and the mix that we can create of them is actually really powerful in how we go out and make disciples, as we teach people what it is to know Jesus. As we live out God-centered lives, we are helping people to see what it is to know and love God. As we speak about the goodness of God, as we speak about ideas and thoughts that we have about Jesus, as we tell people our testimony, we're allowing people to learn through hearing and through conversation. As we encourage people to read uh, the word of God and to make notes and to journal, we are encouraging people to learn more about the Lord. And finally, as we encourage people to go out and do it, to go out and live a life that is God-centered, we are helping them to know more about Jesus. These are great ways that we can be teaching people, that we can be going and making disciples, because we are all called to go and make disciples. But equally, we're all called to be disciples as well. We're all called to be continually um, being taught, continually learning about God. And hopefully each one of us has, um, has a vision and catches the vision of a church that is discipling, that is full of people who are being discipled and full of people who are doing the discipling. Hopefully that's something we can all get behind and something we can all see the value in. But in order to see that outworked, we have to catch that vision for ourselves as well. We have to see ourselves as people who are willing to take up the commission that God gave us, that Jesus spoke about to go and make disciples, but also to have a vision for ourselves, to allow ourselves to be taught and shaped and molded as well. And so I spoke a little while ago about 2020 vision, about that being to do with distance and to do with clarity. And in our Alive Vision, it says about how we want to be a church where everyone has the opportunity to know Jesus, but that we equip people who know Jesus to follow him passionately. And this is because we are never done with our discipleship. It might be that you are right at the start of a journey with Jesus, that you have in the last few minutes, hours, days and weeks have made a decision to start following Jesus. It might be that you're right at the start. Or it could be that you've been walking with Jesus for years, if not decades. But I think that each one of us, well, I know that each one of us is on this journey as part of a lifelong process of discipleship. In fact, the Apostle Paul talks about it in uh, his second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 3, verse 18. He says, And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Paul talks there about how we're all being transformed into the likeness of Christ. We're all uh, on a day-by-day basis as we make decisions, as we um, put into practice the things that we've learned. We are being transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ. But I think that not one of us would say that we are there yet, that we are perfectly transformed into the likeness of Jesus yet. Um, we all have a long way to go, no matter whether we've just made a decision to follow Jesus or we've been walking with him for decades. We are all a long way from, um, sorry, Ollie, 
we are all a long way from, um, from being the perfect image of Christ that he calls us to be. And once we're aware of this, once we're aware of the distance in the journey, once we're aware of the fact that this is a lifelong thing and we commit to it, it helps us to have a perspective shift. It helps us to shift our perspective from immediate results to lifetime transformation. It helps us to see things a little bit more how God sees them. He is outside of time and he sees the beginning from the end and he sees the whole process. And if we allow ourselves to have that perspective shift, then the day to day becomes not less important, but we see it with an eye on the bigger picture, an eye on the lifetime of discipleship. We should still be intentional in the day-to-day, definitely. But we do need to have that eye on the idea that discipleship is a, is a long-distance thing. We get told often, don't we, that we, you know, we're living in an age of the now with Amazon Prime and microwave meals and washing machines. And so we, you know, we want everything now. And I do believe that that is true. I do believe that we have that mentality of, well, if it's not arriving tomorrow, then I don't really want it. But we can't have that mentality towards discipleship. Because if we do, it can be very easy to very quickly become disheartened. If we're not seeing immediate results, if we're not seeing other people around us or ourselves as being as far along the journey as we would like, as quickly as we would like, it can become really difficult. It can become frustrating. We can become really judgmental of others if we don't see the progress that we would expect, the immediate results we would expect. We can become really frustrated and disheartened. And it's really great to see that daily progress, definitely. Definitely it is. But we need to remember that this is about a lifetime journey. It's not about the quick fix. If we think to ourselves that this whole thing is going to be that, it's just a quick fix, it's just an immediate solution, it's just a momentary change, then we're going to be really disappointed, I'm afraid. Now, I believe the Holy Spirit can and does bring immediate transformation, immediate freedom from things, immediate change and shift. I believe that the Holy Spirit can do that and we do see him do that. But more often than not, he chooses to be us to be part of the journey. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, um, the writer of the Hebrews says that we should run with perseverance the race set out before us. You don't need perseverance for a sprint. You need perseverance for a much longer race than that. Like I said, I believe the Holy Spirit can and does do things immediately, but more often he's interested in the long term. He's more interested in in the marathon. Now, I've never run a marathon. I'm sure you're not surprised to hear that. Um, But I have run a 10K. Well, I ran most of it. I also did a lot of walking. (laughs) It was hard work, but I certainly didn't sprint it, that's for sure. Sometimes I walked, I was overtaken often. Um, There was someone who finished it in half the time it took me to do it. But I persevered with that race. I wanted to make sure that I finished. That was the only way that I knew I would be happy with what I'd done. There were times as I was running around that I wanted to just pack it in and, and stop. And there were times when I wished I could just teleport to the end. But I knew that the only way I could say that I'd run the race with perseverance was to run the race with perseverance and to get to the end. And it can be, it, well, it is the same with our discipleship journey. The writer of Hebrews says there that we should run the race with perseverance. And sometimes we are running that race. Sometimes we are walking. Sometimes we have to stop for a minute and just catch our breath. We are often overtaken. And sometimes we want to pack it in or wish we could just teleport to the end. 
But the only way to be discipled is to run that whole race, is to be part of the whole journey, every step of it, even the bits where we are walking, even the bits where we are catching our breath. It might be that at the moment you feel like you're not running as fast as you would like to be. But I would encourage you, try not to look at the day-to-day. Have a look at the bigger picture. It's a really good opportunity right now as we're stepping into not just a new year, but a new decade to look back over the last decade and see how far you've come from where you were in 2010. In 2010, I wasn't even, I wouldn't say I was a Christian at that point. I became a Christian in 2010, 2011-ish. It was during that whole time. And if I think where I've come in the last 10 years, I'm astounded by what what God has done in my life, by the prayers that he's answered, by the things that he's brought me through, by the transformation that he, by his Holy Spirit, has brought in me. But if I look at what I was like yesterday versus what I was like today, it doesn't give you the same perspective. And so I'd encourage you as we're standing here at the start of a new decade to look back and see what it is that God has done and to be thankful for it. Write it down. You've got a short memory. Write it down. But also don't just be looking back. We're talking about vision this morning and what it is to look forward. And if you think about the change you've made in the last 10 years, think about what change God could do through you, what prayers he could answer through you and for you over the next 10 years. What vision do you have for your life and your discipleship journey over the next 10 years? Because this whole thing is about distance. It's all about the journey. And so we need to think about things in the longer term. We need our vision for discipleship, both individually and corporately as a church, to be one of distance. But it's also about clarity. How clearly are we seeing what it is that God wants us to do and what God wants us to build? Who God is transforming us into the glory of is clear to us. Oh, nearly fell off the stage then. (laughs) Take a step back. (laughs) God is transforming us into the likeness of Christ. We read that in the word. We know that to be true. And we have a clear understanding of the character of Christ. We have the New Testament here. We can read through it and we can understand the character of Christ. We have the whole of the Bible and we can understand the character of God from that. Jesus' example to us is amazing. It's a great way that we can learn who it is that we're being transformed into. We celebrated this recently at Christmas, didn't we? The idea of God incarnate. That God, that Jesus, who was with the Father at the beginning of time, at the creation and foundation of the earth, that he chose 2,000 years ago to come and be born as a human, to be part of this world, to live a life as an example for us that was both perfect and sinless. Because he couldn't do any other than that. Jesus is God as much as the Father is God, as much as the Holy Spirit is God. They're all God together. And we haven't got time to go into a full Trinitarian doctrine If you want to know more about that, ask Dom. It's his favorite area of doctrine is the Trinity. But Jesus became, it says in John about the word become flesh. Everything that the Jewish nation knew about God, all the word that God had spoken, every part of his character and nature was embodied in the person of Jesus. And we read through the New Testament stories of what Jesus has done and who he is. And it gives us a real clarity on what it is that we're being transformed into through our discipleship journey. It's that kind of old cliche phrase, isn't it? What would Jesus do? But not only do we have the example of Jesus in the Old Testament, but he said just before he ascended to heaven to be with the Father, he said, I am going that I may send another. And we are really fortunate to be part of 
a time in history where we have that other that Jesus is talking about, where we have the Holy Spirit that was sent to us. And like I said, the Holy Spirit is as much God as the Father is God and Jesus is God. And we have access to the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. He is the one who counsels us. He is the one who guides us. He is the one that when we pray and ask for um, where it is that we should be developing and changing, that he brings clarity to that. He is the one that puts his finger on things in us that aren't quite right and says, this is the area I want you to change. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings clarity to us and we have access to the Holy Spirit daily. We have God walking with us through the Holy Spirit daily. And through this transformation that the Holy Spirit brings, we should hopefully see glimpses of Christ in ourselves and in others, glimpses of Christ's character. Because these glimpses of Christ are an outward sign of the inward transformation that the Holy Spirit is bringing. And we should want more of that. We should want more of that day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, even decade to decade. We should want more of that, not just for ourselves, but for others as well. And we have a part to play in this in discipleship. Just as we are made up of body and spirit, like I've talked about, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, but we still have all this squishy stuff on the outside, don't we? Just as we are body and spirit, the works that we do, the service that we do to God should be a partnership of body and spirit as well. It's us going and doing in partnership with the spirit, in partnership with God. And this is so important in discipleship. The Holy Spirit, as I've mentioned, can and does bring immediate transformation, but more often than not, doesn't. And I believe that this is scriptural. I believe that Jesus wouldn't have told us to go and make disciples if the plan was for the Holy Spirit to immediately bring complete and utter transformation at the moment of salvation. Because if that was the plan, if we were immediately transformed into the full likeness of Christ at the moment of salvation, we wouldn't need to go and make disciples. That would have already happened. But we still need the Holy Spirit, obviously. We still, it's the Holy Spirit that ultimately brings the transformation, that brings the conviction that allows people to become more like Jesus. Because without the Holy Spirit, we're just a support group. That's all we are. We're just people trying to help each other be better people. But that's not what it's about. It's about going and making disciples of Christ, of following in who Jesus has called us to be and who, who he wants us to be. It's learning more about him for his glory and not for our own. It's not that we can be better, it's that we can better reflect Christ. So I'm really excited for what God is going to do over this next while in, uh, in a live church, but also in a live in Newark. I'm excited for the growth that God is going to bring as part of, um, as we as really catch this, as we really get an idea of what it is to be discipled, but also to go and make disciples, I think God is going to grow this location of a live church in Newark, both in terms of number, but also individually in our own spiritual walks with Jesus, that we will grow and be people who know God more, who love God more, who understand more of what it is to live a God-centered life. It may be that you are many years into the journey with Jesus, but you have, we have all got so much to learn still about what it is to be Christ-like. It may be that you've not yet started a journey with Jesus, that you are, um, that you are just thinking about that or just around about making that kind of decision. 
You've also got a long way to go, I'm afraid, but it's such an exciting journey. It's the best one I've ever been on. And we give an opportunity every week for people who are wanting to make that decision to follow Jesus, to accept that he is our Lord and our Savior, that he came to this earth 2,000 years ago to allow us a way to have a relationship with God the Father. And every week we pray a prayer together that just gives space for this moment if you want to make that decision this morning. So in a moment we're going to pray that together. And then uh, after we've read that out, everyone, if we could close our eyes and bow our heads. And if you are making that decision today for the first time, if you would just raise your hand, um, that would be great. It's quite dark in here and everyone will have their eyes closed. So don't worry too much about people around you seeing. But it's just for me to be able to see and for my friends at the back to be able to see so that we can have a conversation with you. But also it's a good physical thing to do. It's us learning through doing. It's us going and doing something that helps us to learn more about what it is to follow Jesus. And then when everyone's got their eyes closed, I'm going to pray for each one of us that we can really, as we start this new decade, as we're talking about vision, that we can really catch what it is that we're doing, what it is that we're trying to build, the importance of discipleship, the importance of being a church whose focus is for people to know Jesus, for people to grow in their walk with him and for people to go and tell people about the Lord. So let's pray this prayer together this morning. Thank you, God, for loving me before I ever loved you. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that I can get connected to you now because you are alive today. I admit that I have lived my life without you and have messed up. I ask for your total forgiveness and I commit myself to you. Help me to submit my life to your teaching and direction from now on. I receive you into my life and ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. If you'd close your eyes and bow your heads, that would be amazing. And if you've prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, if you're making the decision today to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, can I just encourage you to just raise your hand or just give a few moments. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that you want us to be a people who see forward, who see clearly. Your word talks about the importance of vision, that we might not perish. Lord, I thank you that you have given us a clear vision of what church is, what it should be, and what you're wanting us to build. Lord, I pray for each one of us that we can be excited about what it is that you are doing through this church, that each one of us can understand our part to play in it, that we can really grab hold of it and know that we are building this together as a body of believers. Lord, I thank you that each one of us has a part to play. Lord, I pray that each one of us will make a commitment to be discipled, but also to go and make disciples, that we will do as you've commanded us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're going to close our service this morning with some sung worship. Why don't we stand and worship the King together? That's all from us today. Thanks for listening. We pray you have a great day.